0: Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and Twitch, and sometimes I even upload the good bits. This is Previously Live. One thing at a time. America has I agree. It is a different history. Is oh my God! Governing system. Yes, I agree. And, and, uh, so why they're is different countries? I agree. Wait, hold on. Calm down. You that being down to racism. I agree. Wait, hold on. Calm down. You're you very. You're very. Oh you my God! Please. We're in Please, please. In I'm, I'm begging you. Is racism. Calm. Please explain. I wasn't accusing you of being racist right here. I was you asking literally you. Literally said that. Calm.
1: Go, go please, back into the quit video. being defensive. Like Wait, please. Mark. Please. Go ahead and look at it. Oh my god, like, please. I'm, just, I'm begging no you. Way, I was, no asking,
0: you could a, a could I was asking you a question. I was asking you a yes-no question at the beginning before I answer. Please, this isn't a gotcha. I'm not trying to trap you. I'm trying oh, to answer I'm the sure damn you know question. No, I don't. I don't gotcha it's, people. It's they, they walk directly into walls over and over again. I'm not trying to gotcha anyone, okay? hi hello how you doing i'm doing wonderfully how about you
1: i'm doing pretty well can't complain i'm sorry about the delay there were some technical problems and this is i did one debate like or i did one kind of zoom uh youtube interface like this before but uh there was a glitch in my software and so we had to figure it out but uh i'm sorry i left you all waiting i know you've been going for a bit of time
0: oh ain't nothing we were talking about cartoons the whole time it was great. Nice.
1: My, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I think you could write a couple of very interesting books on what cartoons symbolize in society. And, um, like another big YouTuber, JJ McCullough did a whole list of Canadian, uh, monster cartoons. Uh, and I thought that was a very funny book.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, any excuse to see, uh, you know, um, people punching holes through mountains or, uh, you know, um, <laughs> shooting lasers out of the rise. I just like it when it looks flashy.
2: Exactly.
0: I, I appreciate you hopping on. Of course. So I had a, a, a couple of questions. You know, I didn't, I don't formally structure anything, but I watched your video on, um, social justice and a few videos later after that. And I had a couple of, um, I don't know, Uh, questions, concerns that I wanted to talk about with you. Okay. So, I understand you mostly do historical content, which is not my field of expertise. I can't comment on it that substantively. Um, But I do know that you've gotten some pushback for what you've put in those videos. And looking at your social justice video, I think I might understand a common trend. The main issue being, at least with regards to the social justice video, it feels like you came into that with a fairly strong pre-existing ideological bias and all the information you had on all the many subjects that you touched on in that video, you you pulled them together to narrativize them into a story consistent with your pre-existing beliefs. You know, like you looked up at the stars and you wanted to see a dinosaur and it didn't really matter what the stars looked like. You had to find the dinosaur in the constellation, you know what I mean? So there were there were like a bunch of pieces of info there that I think were contradictory or didn't fit together that well. And it gave me the impression altogether that you were inconsistently reactionary in ways I wanted to talk about.
1: I disagree. So as I've studied history, being fair and objective isn't giving 50-50 to both sides. Being fair and objective is looking for the truth and seeing where the truth leads you. and. Across history, you see periods of fanaticism, and we see a lot of the prerequisites for periods of fanaticism that exist today. And across history, you saw the French Revolution, you saw the religious fanaticism like the Puritans of the seventeenth century, you saw the Spanish Inquisition. Before that, you saw the flagellants after the Black Death, or guys that would basically whip themselves after after um, the Black Death because they felt guilt that they felt immense survivors guilt they were still alive. And before that. You had, um, you had all sorts of things across the ancient world and peasant rebellions in the Middle Ages as well. And the common thread between all of these is that when times get tough like they are now, where you, basically average income has gone down, a lot of people live really hard lives in a lot of ways. And under those conditions, people get radicalized. And I think social justice is that radical movement. And I, I try to build my work for posterity. And because of that, I cannot stand aside When social justice, I think, is a radical movement, and to give it an objective opinion would be to state thus. And so um, my my argument going into it was that social justice is radical, which I I, which I will prove as this debate goes along, but at the same time, I just wanted to make something that posterity would be able to look back upon, where every single era of history, you have the people who would basically say, we need to give both sides argument. And the truth is complicated. And because of that, you see all sorts of, you see all sorts of, no one side can hold the truth because no single worldview is capable of encapsulating it. But like before World War II, you saw people who thought that, that starting the war was not a good idea. Before World War I, you you saw people who thought that war would never happen. And in every era of history, conventional opinion was wrong. And I want to look for when conventional opinion
0: is wrong. So the term radical doesn't really have a consistent definition, but the way you use it suggests to me that you think it has a negative bent. You know, if you're going to argue that social unrest is often caused by Inequality or tumult, then I would agree with that. You could go back to the suffrage movement, the civil rights movement. You could go back to the abolitionist movement or the Revolutionary War. You could go back as far as you wanted. And yeah, generally, when things are a little bit less steady, uh, people too tend to commit harder to more radical ideas. I guess the problem that I have with the framing in your video is that that's a good thing, at least in the context of the movements we're discussing now. I don't care about 50 50 representation for any given talking point, by the way. I only care about What's right, you know, you very specifically designate some types of social justice in your your YouTube video as exempt from your criticism. Basically, the civil rights movement and uh, back before then, also environmentalism. I'd right? like to
1: cut you off there for a second, please. Sure. In your video, you said the civil rights movement and the abolitionist movement were descendants of social ju- are the ancestors of social justice, which is not true. Social justice is an entirely different historic chain that you see start in the 40s to the 90s, basically, the post-war period. And that's a long period, but it did take a bit of time to evolve. So I'd like to challenge you on that. Sorry?
0: How? The Civil Rights Movement was in the 60s, of course, so that would fit within
1: that time range. The Civil Rights period, it was entirely different groups of people. When you look at the logic of the modern social justice movement, it takes ideas that were invented by former Marxists in the post-war period and two broad groups, uh, the Frankfurt School and French philosophers. Mm-hmm. And for example, the idea that gender can be separated from sex, that is, that's is—that's an idea that does, hasn't existed for any other period of history except with, the invent- with Simone de Beauvoir starting in the late early 50s. And then that idea was taken up by other philosophers like Judith Butler, like uh, Foucault. And so the idea that Gender is separate from sex. Again, postmodernist idea from that wait, period, so from academia.
0: This is Please what I me mean. Finish. Well, wait, wait, um, wait, 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 hold on. Don't, because yes. I don't want you to just go ahead and say a bunch of wrong things. Yeah, no, but i of all, and
1: you cannot construct my argument properly unless you hear it.
0: Well, but so far, the construction is faulty, the concrete is cracking. The civil rights movement was informed by Marxist ideas. Marx was it around, no, was like... It? It absolutely was. The basis of critical theory, the idea that you should analyze, well, don't get indignant already. It certainly was. Um, Marxist uh, social analysis has been influencing philosophers and activists for well over a century, and the conceptualization of gender and sex being, as you say it, uniform until the past 50 years is completely ahistorical. There are entire modern civilizations that have had third genders, clearly not three sexes, three genders, for hundreds of years. Um, that's just simply not true. Uh, but even if there were conceptualizations of modern social justice, which are a product of postmodernism exclusively, I wouldn't have an issue with that. You know? You'd have to demonstrate the harm done by those ideas.
1: Give me a couple, um, give me a hot second. Because I'm going to reply to each of those. So, for the first of them, the social justice movement didn't have ties. To, sorry, sorry, Freudian slip that I'm sure you wanted me to have. The civil rights movement didn't have Marxist ties because that was something that the FBI explicitly looked for, and people really, really tried to attach a Marxist label onto Martin Luther King, but he kept very clear from it. And he wasn't a Marxist. Yeah, and much of his mo- the movement led by him did not have a lot of marxist philosophy because if they found a marxist attachment to it then the federal government would have basically just federal government and racists in american society at the time would have just used it to pillory the movement and so it explicitly kept away and it didn't really come from marxist roots because you if you look at the liberation movements of that period of history they came mostly from a liberal background so Full male suffrage—that was something that started in the early nineteenth century and progressed as, as male suffrage is tied to the amount of your male population that fight that fought in the military, and so that came through liberals across the nineteenth century and it continued into the early twentieth century with the suffragette movement. Suffragettes were mostly upper middle class women who, again, came from a liberal a liberal mindset, and when you look at liberalism, it's the idea that all people have equal worth and the uh, equal worth under the law. And liberalism is a philosophy that's in many ways derived from Christianity and thus under the objective legal eye of God. And that's just not the philosophy for Marxism. If the civil rights movement was infiltrated by Marxists- Wait, hold
0: on. Hold on. I have to interject here. I never said the civil rights movement was uh, infiltrated by Marxists. I said that his ideas and the ideas of civil, uh, the civil rights movement were influenced by Marxist philosophy, which they were liberal philosophers, liberal political thinkers were influenced by what Marx wrote because Marx was, well, he wasn't the only person who did this certainly, but it's been mostly attributed to him. The ideas inherent to critical theory. Now, critical theory these days is taught to liberals and by liberals in a bunch of departments. It's not this like communist exclusive thing. They were pilloried as Marxist influenced the civil rights movement. Um, So, you know, regardless of the extent of that influence, that was certainly something attributed to them.
1: I mean, realistically, everyone is influenced by every other philosopher. And give me a second to get back to some of the earlier points you made. But I mean, I'm influenced by by Mark. I'm influenced by Marx. I'm also influenced by Zoroaster, Muhammad, by Foucault, And these ideas all mix together, and I don't see a trajectory from—I don't think it's useful to parcel out what percentage of each philosophy, and yes, you could find some Marxist influence in the civil rights movement, but I don't think it's useful. And a point you made in your rebuttal to my video was that the abolitionist movement is part of the same trajectory as modern social justice, Mm -hmm. which just has no basis. The abolitionists were built out of the radical Republican agenda, which was a subset of the Republican Party that existed mostly in the upper tier of northern states. And their platforms were, in fact, um, trying to settle the what settle the Western frontier. Uh, they were very pro-capitalist. This very is an obfuscation. They, so wait, um, they what were I said, remarkably imperialist party, What I but they said, were also wait, wait, very wait, wait. pro-black. This is a, and, a
0: misinterpretation again. I did not no. say these were the same You literally said that in my video. No, I said that it was a continuation of the same historical trend. Now, obviously, if you say something is the continuation of the same historical trend and then go back 150 (laughs) years, you will find that, in fact, earlier groups do have some different values. But the underlying trend is the acknowledgement of racial inequality and the desire to address it through civic, cultural, and legal systems to amend these problems both in representation and in economic outcomes in that respect that movement the abolitionist movement is identical to what we have today in many respects obviously 150 years have passed you know settling the western frontier isn't a um cavalier idea in modern social justice movements that's what it's all about really equality and you can trace that back to the enlightenment further beyond if you really wanted to
1: i mean realistically the idea of racial equality and using legality to address racial problems, it's in many cultures. You see it in Islam, you Mm -hmm. see it in, Christian societies in the Middle Ages. And if you can't draw a trajectory through the people themselves, you're not going to find a realistic continuity. What happened to those radical Republicans? Well, the abolitionists that we think of, well, you know, W.E.B. Du Bois or like Frederick Douglass. middle class people in the upper Midwest and New England. Meanwhile, the the people who led the civil rights movement, they were predominantly Northeastern intellectuals who voted Democrat in the 1930s. As well as Jews who immigrated to Europe from 1900. I once went through a list of. I'm, I'm writing a cultural history of That America, doesn't have anything to so do I'm with looking the, the different ideological trajectories of American ethnography. But that has One nothing to do with the ideological cannot find, through line. You do not find. You, it's just, it's a totally different demographic. Where wait, that, wait, wait, we're not talking about demographics. Party, wait, 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 what if all this? We're are not talking about demographics.
0: You can't say that two like similar ideas are dissimilar because one of them was formulated by like Southern groups and the other by people in the Northwest. We're talking about common ideas here, like it's- racial equality which does exist in many cultures. I've never said this is exclusive to the West, but the abolitionist thinkers, you know, Frederick Douglass and so on, they wrote texts that were cited by Martin Luther King in the civil rights movement. And Martin Luther King is currently the biggest, you know, figure that's cited when talking about historical civil rights in the modern Black Lives Matter movement. So there is a definite continuous ideological trend from A to B to C. And I feel like the only reason you would deny that fact is because you like what the abolitionists did But you don't like what BLM activists do today, and you have to explain that disconnect by somehow separating these extremely well-connected movements.
1: Bro, how many books on American intellectual history have you read? Give me some titles. (laughs) Give me some book titles to back up what you're saying.
0: Are we are we going right to that? Wait, you need a citation on Frederick Douglass was cited by civil rights. Wait. You need a citation on Frederick Douglass was cited by civil rights thinkers. Tell, if you need a citation I will on
1: reference that. Battle Cry of Freedom to talk about the policies of the Republican radical Republican Party by James McPherson, cynical theory to look at the development of how
0: this is pseudo-intellectualism the at its height right, right now. Why not address what I've said
1: in between? I'll I'll quote the rise and fall of communists. If
0: you've read so between much, then why not
1: those are three different ideological
0: trajectories? Why not it counter the argument then?
1: Because Confucius, Confucian philosophy influenced in, the Enlightenment Europe, that that America is a devi- sorry that Europe is a deviation of Chinese philosophy. It's creating a single logical line and then extrapolating. Okay, an we're literally group talking behind.
0: about the same goals in the same country. You have the abolitionists who fought for racial equality for black people to the civil rights movement, which fought for racial equality for black people to the modern BLM movement, which fights for racial equality for black people. And every single successive group quotes and heavily cites the, the preceding groups. This isn't like some, well, a butterfly flapped its wings in China. Therefore that butterfly is responsible for the American revolutionary war bullshit. This is a very direct line and for you to respond to that with like a, how many books have you read, suggests to me a kind of, I don't know, insecurity in your ability to refute that fact. Why don't, why don't you believe these are part of the same movement? They're clearly fighting for the same thing.
1: The fact that you bring up no historical examples between the leaders of said movements or show that you've done research on the topic, because no one among historians, I have read nowhere that the modern abolitionist movement is a direct descendant of the... Is a direct descendant, is a direct ancestor of the modern social justice movement. I'm not a, responsible that you for no your And no, and I have made my point. You, I, I'd like to ask I'm, you a question when you're I'm, done with yours.
0: Well, you have to answer mine. How are these? I, I've answered not, my
1: question in the best way I can. You've answered I, it by
0: saying uh, I haven't read an answer to that. Like you've answered my question by saying you don't know how to answer my question. I want a real answer. How are I, these I've not the your same? I answered question in the way I will. Okay. So then I will follow through on that and say, since these are clearly part of a contiguous social trend in the United States, um, you know, from A to B to C, it seems odd to me that you would denounce social justice when it happened before, or sorry, when it happens now, but you would accept it when it happens before. It's a really common trend in conservatives. Well, they'll go like, um, oh, of course I support the civil rights movement. And then they'll do all the same attacks on the modern BLM movement that conservatives did against the civil rights movement 50 years ago, you know?
1: I have made my argument. You choose not to accept it. I'd like to ask you a question. What was the argument?
0: Can you repeat it for me? No, I already said it. The fans can go back and watch it. <laughs> Wait, but you, you, didn't, you didn't respond to it. You just said I haven't I, read I, in my books to, that I to briefly free. spend five seconds on this.
1: I've said these movements are remarkably different demographics. You cannot trace. A strong ideological lineage between them. Of Wait, what do you mean? This demographics? group spoke to this group, which spoke to this group. Because of that,
0: I think you are drawing a loose connection. They're different and generations, of course. They're different demographics. They're separated. i answered by like the questions. Wait, do you not think a movement can be a part of the same contiguous, like intellectual trend? If it is, but you need the to different have proof for it. links in the chain <laughs> are in different time periods. Bro, give me an
1: example of a academic school created by by radical Republicans in the mid 19th century. Give me an example of that school influencing modern East Coast, modern, modern, the modern leftist movement. Give me a historical lineage without just listing single figures.
0: Can you, wait, I'm sorry. Can you find an example of Simone de Beauvoir setting up any personal gender studies classes that teach the gender and sex easy. So Simone, oh, Simone de, Beauvoir. de Beauvoir, you can.
1: Simone de Beauvoir had her philosophy influenced by Marx. Simone de Beauvoir then immigrated to America. She was part of the broader postmodernist movement. The postmodernist part movement part of the broader postmodernist was in oh, kind in of like the abolitionists meanwhile, were part of the broader the racial Frankfurt, equality please, movement. Please, the fact that you're interrupting me means that me, means that you don't want me to finish. The Frankfurt School, meanwhile, in, immigrated to America. The Frankfurt School people immigrated to northeastern cities, going to schools like Columbia um Harvard etc thus from the Frankfurt and they also write a tremendous amount of postmodernism so they attended and these schools so from it, and you can see the postmodernist philosophers descended from the you can see the modern social justice philosophers descendant from the postmodernism, wait, where how? like Kimberly Crenshaw. Wait, these are totally um, different. Butler we're students of Foucault. They were students of Marcuse. Okay, So well, hold on. they literally write that. You can see that wait, on their Wikipedia So
0: page. wait, earlier you said, wait, wait, modern, wait, 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 please, please, people please. Because you, 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 left you run on a trade. You try to you make like 30 points. Lineage from, please. From you, Marx
1: and from Simone so de Beauvoir claim the modern, modern left.
0: You claimed, okay, that... The teaching that gender and sex are separate is a product of like Frankfurt School postmodernist influence. So you now need to prove that postmodernists founded the American public school system because only in... Oh, they didn't. Well, then how can you say there's any connection whatsoever between postmodernism and the teaching of gender and sex being divergent concepts in modern public education. Those were set up by thinkers in the 19th and 20th centuries, influenced by Enlightenment thinking. How could there possibly be any influence from postmodernism?
1: Ideas influence other ideas. Oxford is done in the 12th century, but they're not teaching scholasticism anymore. And um, what do you mean by I that? Mean, when, ideas you influence ideas. Teachers, when you look at the politics of teachers, they're overwhelmingly left wing. When you look at the politics of universities, overwhelmingly left wing. You're doing a bunch These of points again. Who what do you mean under ideas the...
0: influence ideas?
1: I mean, if you want to s- simplify the whole world into a sentence, sure. But there's, there's a question I'd like to ask.
0: No, wait what, wait, what do you mean? Because you said there's no bro, way the bro, abolitionist bro, movement could inform the civil been rights been half an movement. Hour
1: talk. We've done 20 minutes on this question.
0: Well, it's just it's very silly because you Why are essentially you trying to avoid my admitted. are not answering it. You said there's no way the abolitionist school could have you're led not to the get civil anything rights else movement. Out of me past
1: this. Because you're not going to get me to talk in this question anymore. They're
0: different demographics. And then you said I'd need to show that a Republican abolitionist school set up then is being cited by West Coast intellectuals today. But then you're like, well, Frankfurt's responsible for all of modern education, teaching gender and sex are separately because like these. you realize these are these are incompatible talking points. You can't run away from that. You can't believe both of those things at the same time. Bro, I answered the question. Like, <laughs> you but you—you answered, you answered it wrong. You were I'd incorrect. Like to to. All right. Okay. Yeah. Ask me a question. Uh, we'll okay. take turns in uh, the outside. In
1: the rebuttal to my video, you said that descriptions of, you said that productivity, international productivity statistics, the only way you can argue them is since racism because every single area, every single area of the world really has the same productivity. Would you like to back that up,
0: please? I'm. Um, You're going to need to specify more. What did I say exactly? You
1: said, for example, I said that people in the third world are paid less than people in the first world because they have lower productivity rates. Thus, according to market standards, you cannot pay them less and have a functioning economy. You said that, uh, that according to what you found, that all areas of the world have the same productivity. And so the only way you can use that argument is racism.
0: Nobody's paid for their productivity. Um, Yeah, they are. No, they're uh, absolutely wages didn't.
1: across history, and you can run computer models for this. Wages across history are a combination of scarcity of labor and productivity. So, uh, There's uh, a couple historians like Angus Madison and Peter Turchin. who do a really wonderful job of creating computer models to predict wages across so history the problem, using those metrics, the and the problem they get it con- right
0: you were asked me a question the problem with computer models is that people think the output is objective when in fact the output is largely determined by the preceding input that humans put in um there have been studies shown uh, indicating that in terms of the actual physical productivity the actual amount of goods produced by a factory worker in china mexico and america you're not going to see significant differences in productivity you will see significant differences in pay the reason for that Well, it's complicated, but the idea of wages tracking perfectly on their productivity is just not true. In fact, often people in China and Mexico work quite a bit harder than we do in factories that are just as productive as ours, funnily enough. You know, they can make, uh, you know, cars or cheap widgets at, you know, the speeds we can or better. It's, you know, uh, entirely doable. The issue that I have is that oftentimes people will use productivity as a kind of um, moralistic presupposition by which they, they they like determine the worth and the value of a country. Often, the economic output of a country is determined by the wealth of that country, so it's kind of like a cyclical problem, right? There could be two countries, one very wealthy, one very poor, where the poorer country produces far less, not as a product of any actual like tendency to work from the people who live there, but rather just because they don't have access to the startup capital. And then they get lower wages for what? Well, not for working less hard, for having the misfortune of being born into a poorer country. That's the issue that I have.
1: That's um, the theory you posit would result in the collapse of the modern world economy. <laughs> that's such
0: enacted. a libertarian answer. I love that. Continue, please. But the
1: thing is, like, and also you would not find a single economist who could agree with that, or
0: you could not find
1: more than a handful in extremely radical. How would it collapse things? And that's because productivity stats vary massively by nation and that there's no way else it could be because you have different amounts different quality of machinery in different areas. You have people who work differing amount of hours. You have differing, um, differing supply chains involved. Do
0: you think workers For example, in China work fewer hours than workers in Mexico are exceptionally
1: but the coal doesn't get to where they are. The coal, let's say they're running a factory, the coal doesn't get there. They're working on poor machines. Their wages get stolen, so they leave work. Mexi- the Mexicans would be extremely hardworking, but they would have lower productivity. And what you say about countries not getting capital, that's not true. This is the era of the highest capital availability in the history of man. You think by Mexico a factory gets of the central. same capital
0: investment as America. The U.S.
1: has given more four times the amount of capital to Africa uh, than the Marshall Plan. If you look well, at countries okay. like Argentina, Argentina hyperinflates its currency on average. Every this is completely 11 years. irrelevant to what we're and talking about. And because of that. But they keep on getting Western capital since there's so much capital.
0: That has nothing it's to do with what easy. we're talking about. This do, the, you, the, do, do you think
1: growth in the third world? Do you think Mexico
0: has the same capital investment per capita in terms of their industry, like as America? Sorry, who? Do you think that America and Mexico have the same amount of startup capital available for people to? Uh, start and develop businesses within their country.
1: that's due, a sh- that due to a shit ton of historic factors.
0: Yeah, but but America do you, do you Mexico, agree? Wait, 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 wait. Why are, yes. why are we paring wait. down historic factors? Oh, wait, hold on. I agree. Kind of wait. One thing at a time. If America has I a different agree.
1: geography. It has a different history. It has oh a different governing system. Oh, my God. Yes. I agree. And, uh, so why they're is different countries. different countries?
0: I agree. Wait, hold on. Calm down. You're you very-, said that the only you're very Oh my god, please. Were please. Please, please. I'm, I'm begging you. Is Calm. Please explain. I wasn't accusing you of being racist right here. I was asking you. you. Said that. Calm.
1: Go, go please. Back into the Quit video. being defensive. Like the Wait, please. Mark. Please. Go ahead and look at it. Oh my god, like, please. I'm,
0: just, I'm begging you. No way, I was no asking you a question. I was asking you a yes-no question at the beginning before I answer. Please, this isn't a gotcha. I'm not trying to trap you. I'm trying to answer the damn question. No, I don't. I don't gotcha people. They, They walk directly into walls over and over again. I'm not trying to gotcha anyone, okay? I was asking, like, I just asked you, you acknowledge these countries have different capital available for business development, which, of course, obviously they do. No one would argue that. Yes, it's because of historical factors. I'm not denying that. We're not at the racist part yet, okay? So, the studies that I've seen on relative worker productivity, have been pretty consistent. The idea that a Chinese worker- resources, I don't have any, but if you'd like me to send them to you later, I'd be happy to pull them up. I don't have all them archive right now. Uh, Um,
1: How many economics books have you read? Give me your top three. All of them. Give me your top three. I
0: can't, I enjoy all of them equally. So anyway, I I hope you understand that um, behavior like that is very unbecoming in immediate conversation. It just makes it seem like you don't have an argument for the field, so you have to run back to the bleachers. Look ha, ha, ha. in Projection. China, factory or sweatshop workers, okay, from what oh. I've read, and this seems to be pretty consistent, they uh are they produce as much or more than factory workers here in America. It's not like uh factories in China are like underproducing. They it's like a industrial powerhouse of the planet, you know. But they still get paid way, way, way less. Now you said that the world economy would be torn apart by the idea that wages aren't proportional to productivity which is a very funny and very libertarian thing to say it's like if my 101 econ models aren't perfectly predictive of the most complicated system in all of human existence do you have a better theory know, in the
1: world than the
0: than idea that then then the idea that wages track perfectly under productivity
1: yeah do you have a, an idea do you, can you have something you can shove into a computer simulation wages come out <laughs>
0: nobody can as
1: they've existed over the last thousand years nobody
0: can yes they
1: can absolutely wow, they cannot there's loads of historians peter turchin angus madison who have been able to predict wages across history you can predict the variables of productivity wait averages and wage supply
0: wait yeah. averages well i thought we we're talking about yeah, productivity yeah. So, wouldn't productivity example, vary between the, individuals The Turchin and the economic population?
1: models we able to predict wages across england from looking at the population and the product. And We're the not talking about averages.
0: What, what would that have to do with productivity? Averages. Is...
1: It's medieval England. Your productivity is tor- attached to how much soil you have. And for example, you can look at stats across the 19th century. Look at increases in mechanization and increases in industrial ability. And then this, from that, so attach, I'm going to try. I'm going to try this a third time. of that and get what does out? this
0: have to do? with productivity. Averages, when you look at averages, you're looking at like a total social development, not productivity. If we want to find a model that determines wages based on productivity, you'd have to have a very specific and very fine-tuned algorithm that you could punch a bunch of, uh, you know, pre-existing characteristics into and get an individual's wages. Because otherwise, we're not really talking about productivity. We're talking about like uh, available wealth in a society. And that I agree with. On average, you can...
1: Yeah. And we can get individuals wages. It's median income versus average income versus gross, gross GDP. And the stuff I'm talking about is talking about average income and median income. What I'm talking about is very little relation to gross national GDP.
0: Wait, how do you, so wait, how would you arrive at predicting an individual's income?
1: It's easy. Uh, you look what their, what their productivity is, how basically the amount of capital they produce. How do you measure that? It differs from society to society. In agrarian societies, it's uh, farmland and productivity of said farmland. In industrial societies, it is their productivity from In a a
0: modern service economy, how would you even begin?
1: You would, uh, in a modern service economy, you would... so let's say you take Starbucks as a business. You took at the total revenue of said Starbucks. Um, you look at the amount of coffees made per individual. You look at the amount of revenue from the Starbucks. You look at how it's cleaned. I know it's imperfect, but, but once you get averages, true. all of these things are cleaned up. And technically, Vaush, the, the train of logic you're operating under basically says science and academia cannot exist. Wait, but you're proving and me so right.
0: People... Passion, the the barista gets paid the same amount whether they work a morning shift in a downtown location or the evening shift in a rural location that gets 100th the amount of customers they get paid the same amount as long as they're in the same state but, but if you have on two macro people who scale, produce the alternates
1: same... over time according to broader productivity variables. macro
0: i thought we were looking at individuals macro then you, you we're divide not looking...
1: at product global productivity stats and then put it on individuals like i'm not going to educate you for an hour and a half <laughs> no this.
0: this is the Let's no this on is on exactly else. the so problem for there's no way to determine productivity empirically when looking at individual statistics because sure. all you can defer to is broader economic Bro, trends
1: i'll i'll send you all this stuff on twitter after i'm not going to waste the audience's time for an hour talking about this <laughs> feel
0: free to so okay. th- the point that um, i was i'd po- like to move
1: on to another yeah. question
0: oh i didn't even get to why it was racist but yeah okay
1: Okay, uh, in my video, okay, since communism has duh, 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 uh, since communism has failed on every single continent, in every single civilization, awesome. um, and why do you consider yourself an anarcho-syndicalist in basing your theories upon a theory of the world that doesn't seem to have matched
0: up to scientific standards? What scientific standards have my personal beliefs not matched up to?
1: Okay, that's fair enough. I mean, I, I, I'm not I'm not you, Vouch. I don't know your life, but um, I mean, I'm going to push
0: but... this view upon the world. Well, for a number of reasons, obviously, anarcho. sorry to cut
1: you off. But I have a final question. How would an sure. anarchist state manage a war with an external power? Or manage a financial crash. Actually, no. How would an anarchist state manage a war with an, with an external foreign power? Uh, Let's say your anarchist France and Germany invades. How do you get a How do you get a military together and negotiate a foreign policy?
0: I don't think anarchism can survive outside of a global model. I don't advocate for it unless you're in some kind and of why hypothetical would a global model. Idyllic. Exist. Well, if if the world was ready to move to anarchism, I consider why this why would a the world highly move idyllic aggression. Because I think that anarchism is the logical end state of a series of pre-existing social, economic, and political factors, which I do think are desirable in and of themselves. And then ideally, after those have sort of fermented across the world, you would have an opportunity for global anarchism. But I consider that a very distant, like that's that's very much like a, you know, a rapture moment, ye off in the distance. Until then, I care mostly about the advocacy of anarchist principles, uh, if okay. the society is a bit out of reach for now.
1: So um, what would examples of anarchist policies you'd push be?
0: Um, policies i push. Oh, okay. A little bit of a contradiction yeah. there. But I, I get what you mean, of course. You know, you work so with So how would... Wh- wh-
1: okay. Let no, no. Pr- uh, uh,
0: policies in line with anarchist political beliefs. Yes, um, yeah. yeah.
1: You as Vouch as an individual, um, what are policies that you think will lead us towards said anarchist utopia?
0: Oh, well, that's... You're, you're putting a big weight on my shoulders here. I mean, um, you're
1: a political thinker. It's your
0: job. Well, yeah. Though legislating anarchism is definitely a a tall order. But so uh, a couple of things. Um, Obviously, I think taxes should be higher. Uh, I think the fruits of those taxation, you know, should should be uh, put towards a welfare state. Um, I think that um, severe regulatory penalties can be placed on the financial markets, and higher uh, uh, specific taxes on the wealthy uh, on capital gains. Um, And I think uh, a a sort of financial Easing into market socialism would be something that I um, th- that I find ideal, you know, with the idea being you eliminate the bourgeois as a class, uh, you ensure that industry is controlled collectively by the proletariat, you know, nationalize a few industries. I can think of a few that could do for a little bit of a takeover, that kind of stuff. And, you know, be very complicated long term such such as.
1: What what industries would you like to nationalize?
0: Uh, the pharmaceutical industry is a big one. Um, I think you can make a really strong argument. I
1: honestly, I agree with that. I, okay. I think uh, I think government I think government should control health.
0: Um, and uh, also a massive takeover of local transit. Um, I agree that. Okay, yeah. Train. I agree it in
1: some states, not out others, because you see varying different attitudes towards government takeovers, depending on the society where in like Sweden or South Korea, it goes very well, but in Italy or in Brazil, it goes terribly. So I would like, I'm from Philadelphia, whatever the government controls is just, it, it doesn't work, but in Minnesota or Massachusetts, I'd support it.
0: I'll make the trains run on time. I'm well in train pilled. Uh, the energy industry will get that one. Um, you know, stuff isn't like that.
1: that. Like a, one of the, isn't one like our slash neoliberal obsessed with trains,
0: uh, yeah, but we we um we don't accept them. Uh, the lefties are more obsessed with trains. We 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 like it more. Mm. Trains are good. I like trains. You know, uh, an end to car dependency would be an ideal. Um, uh, ba- my uh housing, my basic goal would be nationalize industries that have inelastic demand, and um worker control for everything else and unions for workers within government enterprises, which of course cannot be controlled by the workers because they're yeah. ostensibly controlled by the people.
1: Uh, I don't, I don't think unions are controlled by the people in Philadelphia, the union controls the city and it literally like beats up its opponents. And it totally, it let it's led the city to have a smaller population today than it did in 1950. No, I mean uh, the, the, the government's controlled by the social people. group. And I think that's a problem with leftists where leftists will say, we need to concentrate power in good people. But once you say we're gonna concentrate power in good people, the people, bad people start showing up because they get the label good No, people.
0: I mean the, the government's controlled by the people. The union's only ever controlled the Is the by government the workers. controlled by the people? I said ostensibly, you know. Give uh, me a
1: country where the, I mean, you could say America, but like, how do you factor that in with 80, with the vast, vast majority of governments across history being autocracies run by a kind of ruling class, like a nobility, like a secret police, like a priest class, and how do you how do you do that with every single leftist country, with the exception of countries like like Sweden per se? What leftist control. countries? that almost every leftist country does end up in an, does does end up autocratic. Like which? So why would giving the government more power mean maintains being in the hands of the people? Well, well like what to what am I being compared here? Uh, you're being compared to every single. Tell me what you are. Tell me what country you'd like to
0: copy. Well, I'm a socialist. don't want to copy any countries. I'm not even a statist. If but I don't not think there are any. countries.
1: Then you're shooting in the dark.
0: No, because we see policies that we know might work, and we can isolate them and take How a look at them in application. Work? Because no, we, let me tell you a story. We, wait, 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 wait. Because you can take a look at isolated policies, where okay. they function in a given city, or in a given state, or in a given district. And you can uh, try to determine the effect they'll have on a broader. And if we end up being a bit experimental, you know, so are the founding fathers. Okay. I am, I am, uh, yeah. you know, the apple has not fallen far from the cherry tree.
1: Which is something I've seen across history where every single state that tries to deviate from a norm of what the pre-established principle is fails. French revolution killed millions of people. Well, Russian about revolution us? killed millions of people. Chinese revolution killed millions of people. Ah, uh, typing rebellion, which is a Christian fanatical sect in China. Third bloodiest war in history. Um, every single time you try to make a revolution, make a new utopia, fails. What and about what revolutions about that succeed? Are those that work upon pre-existing, um, pre-existing uh, systems like the Glorious Revolution in the UK, the American Revolution, um,
0: Europe, the and, and others? And I'm glad we agree on that. Wait, all these revolutions were predicated at least in some respect off of the society they were built upon um so is was everything right i don't think the french revolution was any more a rejection of the previous principles of its uh of its nation yes, than it the american was it, for the colonies it was totally that it came was from. bro like they, so, the so french was revolution
1: let me let so me was finish. america the french revolution outlawed religion it killed hundreds of thousands of people um it turned it created total suffrage um it renamed the names of the weak. Um, it killed 5% of the population or the nobility. Um, it took the entire economy into the state's hands in the Revolutionary War. The U.S. Revolution basically just said, you can keep your colonial legislatures, but we're getting rid of England, but and we're going to make a really weak centralized All the things
0: government. the French Revolution did were based on Enlightenment principles, which was the ideological history so of the American nation. Revolution. I agree. That's my point. Yeah, I think that these revolutions are just difficult business, and sometimes they succeed and sometimes they don't. But, but I'm not talking revolution about revolution. I've from never mentioned revolution fail. for my you, you system. If
1: you trace that back to ancient history, why would you go with that precedent? Why wouldn't you follow the precedents that work?
0: Neither did. Do you think that they were following a precedent the when they became... Wait, the wait, wait, please. You think they were following please. a precedent when America like, became a democracy? Like, Of course not. Yeah. Obviously not. Um, England was a
1: democracy beforehand. Um, all of the local governments kept their power in America. Um, they It was a parliamentary system. Uh, they, had two separate, they had two separate parties, the Whigs and the Tories. Uh, they would alternate power. You had prime ministers, um, all that stuff. Also, I got to tell you, I need to run at nine.
0: I understand. Um, oh, sorry. I muted myself. My bad. Um, I understand it it was a monarchy
1: Cal- but it was a mon- it's like britain today but to a lesser degree it was a monarchy with a republic with a monarchy the, with it was it was a it was a monarchy with a democracy as well it the was americans a- just couldn't vote and said democracy because the americans were treated under the british system like they were a subject nation that britain conquered like india but at the same time the americans said that they were englishmen and thus deserved to get voting rights
0: they were it was not a democracy it was a parliamentary Monarchy, but are we gonna
1: like say the only democracies in the world are New England towns? The most
0: powerful person in England was there by blood in America. The most powerful person, Washington, was elected, uh, admittedly, by white owning uh, white landlords, you know. So that's not not
1: true. 70% of them, oh, yeah, landowners, landowners is accurate for the south, but in the north, almost everyone could vote. Um, yeah, but I mean. By that logic, Britain is not a democracy today.
0: No, because the queen doesn't have any power now. The function of the, the, the government. The most
1: is... powerful people in Britain, the people making the most decisions at the time, were prime ministers. Lord North was the guy who master, Lord North, the prime minister of the Tory party, was the guy that masterminded the American Revolutionary War. The,
0: the king had enormous power at the time that we left. Yeah. No, this is this is highly tangential. Okay, you said you have then to then leave in seven then, minutes? Then
1: it's an integrated system. It's part democracy, part monarchy. Okay.
0: So let's, let's get to the, try to get to the heart of this. Okay. There was experimentation that
1: existed. They also pulled in the Greeks and the Romans and several native American states in the new world. Sure. And,
0: and Marx did as well. Marx's theories were derived almost entirely from Hegelian insights following. Hegel
1: didn't build a state. Hegel was just a nerd in Germany. Hegel never built an empire for America. We were building it upon a precedent of pre-existing. Wait, Wait, we're not, wait, I'm not, talking about state making. I'm only talking about what- But Marx made a philosophy that people built states off. The Marxist Bible, basically Das Kapital, is them using a philosopher's view to construct an entire civilization. Okay. Whenever that happens, it fails.
0: Okay. I don't think they really did much with Marxist theories to build the USSR. They
1: literally had classes in the Soviet Union and China. I have Chinese friends. They studied Marxist texts in school. And? Like Lenin they didn't apply Marx them when he made decisions.
0: Trust me, I know enough about the Soviet Union to know that it's about as communist as as, as Nazi Germany was. I have no respect so for the Soviet Union. What separates
1: Union. the theory of true communism from the Christian Kingdom of Heaven? Because,
0: because you can take a look at what the USSR was doing, and none of it had anything to do Why with the political. Real Why do you interrupt? Inquisition. Everything. Say
1: real fascism. That's going to that that. Wait,
0: no, no, hold on because when fascists say i want x to happen and then you look at nazi germany that happened when you take a look at what Marx said he wanted to happen and then look at the ussr none of it happened nothing literally nothing there's no relationship again you can do this no true scotsman all you want and i agree okay uh, there are always thresholds fine lines you can draw but no i don't own up to any of that you take a look at marx's theory and then you take a look at the ussr No relationship at all.
1: Let me break this down. Communism mm-hmm. has been tried in many, many, no, many different forms. Not it's been tried with Bolivarian communism in South America. No, it it's doesn't. been tried under Castro, which was very independent from the Soviet you Union. You know, for a
0: person who claims to be an it's intellectual, you sure do like going on like Soviet bumper version. sticker it's tangents. It's been tried
1: under a Marxist Trotky version. There's third world socialism, which took over so, a majority uh, Wait, I have of to
0: ask, sincerely, in socialism in, in in India. given, given we have so little time to talk, Maoism, is there a reason why you're filibustering? we were
1: reading Marx and then reading this text, treating it as a Bible, and then trying their own thing. It's what if all this? I have to
0: ask, is it, are you Point filibustering you because you have four minutes left?
1: Are about as imposs- are impossible so if, if, what if? Let me just finish. Let, let me finish one. No, no, no! Wait,
0: time. we're we're four minutes till you have to go, which you announced yeah. three minutes ago, and you're filibustering with something that has nothing to do with anything I've talked about. This okay. has been your give response me, me to me every point you don't have an answer to. You run off to the next thing, or you say it's indignantly. Like yourself, bro. You sound indignantly like, "Well, I've already answered that by not answering it." You're not engaging with the thing that I'm saying. This is
1: all stuff you've done in your past, you, past debates, bro. You're past getting, debates?
0: Uh yeah. come on. You can't be mad about how this one is going. So pretend that you have some kind of history of my behavior to call upon. We talked privately before this convo. You were fine and civil. Now you're here filibustering. What's changed? Nothing but your nerves. What
1: changed the precedent you set that I followed?
0: Your nerves. What if alt hissed? Okay. So you have to leave in three minutes? Should we talk now about which countries you think are communist? Or is there some underlying position you would like to arrive at? What's wrong with social justice? It doesn't work. How not? It worked. Answer, it worked before. Worked during the abolitionist days, suffragist days, before, civil rights movement, second wave feminist movement.
1: movement. In me, a manner stop, which you're not able to describe, define, or delineate. I describe it as a philosophy based off the combination of the Frankfurt and the postmodernist school. What's wrong with postmodernism? is built upon the theory that power is the ultimate relationship of human power is the ultimate relationship inside human societies and the dominant the purpose of a society is to fight against said oppression and that we should structure our civilization around combating the oppression that comes do you like fighting oppression and built upon the theory that there are no social relationships outside power
0: don't you think that we should fight oppression and also they don't claim should. there are no social I think, relations outside I think we power. Should be,
1: I think we should be critical and intelligent about it rather than just trying to slide everyone into a black or white worldview based on whether or not they
0: fight oppression. Wait, you think, wait, hold on. You think postmodernism, the philosophy around believing there's no objective truth or narrative, slides people into black or white uh, sides. Isn't that yeah, mutually that contradictory?
1: That's obvious to anyone who's looking at this. Critically. Wait,
0: so it's an ideology which rejects empirical truth and encourages a multifaceted approach towards social analysis. There's balance But also everything. you think...
1: The people who would uh-huh. say... What do, the people who say... Look, the way people often work is that they put on a facade and they're really the opposite. And social oh, justice did that. It they got me facade, with that one. Uh, it put on a facade of what its dominant... Of, of They put on a facade, and then through that facade, it basically allowed itself to do the exact opposite. They've duped because me. Because they thought they were rid of it. And that's the case with all humans. We're, we all need to achieve balance. And so when we say one thing too loudly, we're probably going to end up doing the other. I need to get going, but do you have any last statements, man?
0: We, so they do one thing, but then the other? And their ideology says one thing, but they act the other way because yeah. Source trust me and because they're two-faced?
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, so your response I have your a response to, to the answer, so i can't give you a good answer the theory
0: of postmodernism is that they're lying
1: uh you would need to break that down but i don't have time so take care
0: all right have a, have good, a good one day. bye holy shit that was so much more insufferable than i thought it was going to be oh my god i can I, I can't believe oh my fucking god That conversation was incomplete that dude has nothing to do right now by the way zero percent chance that guy has an appointment that this appointment that he has which he informed me of nine minutes ago that on the hour he has something to do no shot no shot yeah 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 god damn i can't i can't believe he was like there's there's no way that the abolition uh, the abolitionist movement, the civil rights movement, and b l m can be part of the same ideological tradition because you can't prove that abolitionist era southern republicans who were pro western expansion um set up schools that informed modern teachers like what <laughs> what? Do you want to finalize how he's racist? We didn't really get to it, but we're not going to like really have a convo with somebody like that anyway and like get to anything. The basic gist of it is that um, people like him will, um, will justify American economic supremacy by arguing that poorer countries are less productive and they'll define productivity as how much wealth they produce, which is obviously cyclical. You know what I mean? Like a widget produced in the US will cost more Because it's in the US than something produced from a sweatshop in China. So that's the, it's like this value. Yeah, you beg the question essentially. So the way you fight against that is by like indicating when you mean productivity, you don't actually mean like a reflection of how hard people work or what they actually produce. What you mean is like how much they're paid for what they produce, which in effect means these people deserve to be poor because they're paid less for the things that they make, which is, which is circular, you know? I don't think the argument for equal labor productivity across country works. You can look at concrete goods per labor hour, for example. Soaked on left, I've looked at that data before. Um, le- Soaked on left, I love you, but you have this thing where you'll come in after I talk with a retard, and you'll be like, I can't help but notice that during this conversation with like a bonobo ape, you didn't fully elaborate. You can take a look at like the like the amount of shit produced by like a sweatshop worker. You know? relative to like an american where and the idea that like wages line up with how much they produce is just not true now you can say they line up if you own if you frame it through how much they're paid for what they produce what's the value of what they produce but at that point again it's circular reasoning you're not looking at productivity in like a meaningful sense. And then by the way, you can tell that he wasn't prepared to answer that because he then went on to say stuff that was just wrong. Remember when he said that you could predict the wage of a Starbucks barista, Starbucks barista by how many coffees they make per hour? Really? I wasn't I wasn't aware they were paid uh, on on commission. That's that's new information to me, you know. The only thing that meaningfully determines The wages of a Starbucks barista are seniority and the minimum wage of the state that you're in. Funnily enough, neither of these things have anything to do with productivity. Nothing whatsoever. You know what I mean? So anyway, the, the racist thing here is that, like, I don't think it makes you racist to make those arguments, but I do think that people arrive at racist conclusions by framing productivity in that way when looking at, like, the wealth produced by all these different countries, you know? I'm a poli sci student. He literally didn't understand one I one shit. Well, I think it was, I think it was pretty telling when like I laid out my argument for like two minutes about the ideological, like you can't get much closer than abolitionism, civil rights, BLM. Like abolitionists fighting for the racial equality of black people and to amend legal discrimination. The big thinkers of which were cited in the civil rights movement, and then the same over to BLM, and then I went through all that, and his response after a pause was, um. Was um was basically like how many books on this have you read? Which the moment you hear that, you know they're flailing, right? You know it's been a while since I had a convo like that. Fuck, I wanted <sighs> I wanted to have like a more productive conversation with him, but like, like what like you know what am I supposed to do? You did very well given the circumstances. Well, if nothing else, I feel like um that was pretty anticlimactic after all the hype. That's what you get for having hype, okay. I feel like um if nothing else that kind of reaffirms the the like the 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 argument that I made at the beginning which is that he narrativizes like crazy like he has all these disparate pieces of information like together in his in his head and like he he wants to see the outcome that he wants to see so if he wants to believe that modern social justice has nothing to do with the civil rights movement like he will he will do anything to drive a wedge between those two Those two points in history. I thought you are being way too aggressive out the gate with the narrativism thing. No, I don't think so. I think I was just being clear with the the criticism that I had, you know? I don't think that I was rude. It was mostly just crazy to me how much... That guy gish-gallops like a motherfucker, man. Holy shit. All his points are easy enough to address the right academic rigor. The problem is Vosh doesn't have enough reading in the necessary academic topics, especially economics and history. Um, No, I disagree. I actually think that I knew everything that I needed there. I don't think he actually caught me missing any point on any of that. Um, I don't think he knows anything about economics or history. I think he just has tidbits of information that he's acquired because they fit into, like, they help him justify the political positions that he has. But I don't think, like, in terms of historical analysis, like, guys, when he said there's no way the abolitionist movement could have influenced modern day social justice unless you can prove that the Republicans of that era founded schools with with academic departments dedicated to that ideology, which then influ- like as soon as he said that like you know and then he said there's no way they can like be the same because they're different demographics. I don't even know what that means like these ideas can't be connected in the in 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 the in the national like ideology because, like, some of them are from Maine and some of them are from Virginia? Like, I, I don't even know. I feel like you interrupted too much. If I, if I had known we had that little time, I would have interrupted more. <laughs> I would have interrupted way more. What's postmodernism? You referenced it a lot. Postmodernism is when you're based in red-pilled. He didn't even clarify that demographics question twice. He didn't answer any of my fucking questions. He said the French Revolution led to total suffrage like it was a bad thing, either a misspeak or a bit of a tell. I don't know. I don't I don't think he's anti-suffrage. I just think he's anti SJW and he's like the biggest pseudo intellectual about it. Vosh, China has absolute dog shit productivity, but economics can tackle this points, of understanding, broken measure. Lowland Dare, no, it doesn't. In terms of the work done by a single person in those facts. No, 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 no. Wait, hasn't this person been like bitching the entire time? Hold on. If you define productivity as, like, the the economic value of the output, but that's circular again. Holy shit, you've been complaining the entire time. And you were telling me to watch Arcane? Ooh. Ooh, I don't know, guys. Hmm. That's a, that's a perma. That's a perma. There's no other way around it. <laughs> nah, okay, 30 days. I love you. Wait, how do you ban someone again? It's been so long since I've done this. Slash ban. Lowland there. 30 days come. There we go. I did it. Mercy. I don't know where you're getting this from, but the entire productivity thing is not correct. Okay. I'm, I'm happy. Read the Eurovision comment at top. Well, they're also European, you know. The comment on his vod or coping about how you're a well-trained snake, dude. This happens literally every time. Like every time I have a debate with somebody, like they show up, and they they just um they like smash their head with a brick, and then I get blamed for it. Okay, I like I'm hap- I'm happy to see I'm happy to see more info in this or whatever. But like the the productivity thing, yeah. It, what, like what do we mean by productivity? Do we mean literally like how hard a person works? Oh hey shoe, I just had a person who you wouldn't like that much on. If pay based on productivity were true, people would be getting paid more relatively now than they did in the past because we are massively more productive, but we know this is not true even just by looking at minimum wage trends. Yeah, that's completely true. If, um, yeah, if uh, um, productivity is what determines wages, then why is it that like, the, the wages vary so much based on the minimum wages of a state that you're in in America, even if you're doing the same job for the same company across different states? or even within certain cities within different states, if they have different minimum wages there. Like, yeah, it's, it's com- just completely not true, you know, unless you want to twist the definition. Vosh, Mexico is number one, US is number 10. Yeah, in terms of hardest work, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to define productivity as being how many hours you work, America's not number one. Mexico, Costa Rica, South Korea, Russia, Greece, Chile, Israel, Poland, Czech Republic, and then the United States data for China isn't included here. I wonder where that would be on the on the thing, you know. In terms of like hours worked, like there you go, right? Turkey apparently has very low okay. Um yeah. A lot of no data. Yeah, it's not a perfect, yeah. According to Vosh, abolitionism led to the social justice movement, Marxism didn't lead to the Soviet Union. When did I say that? I never said Marxism didn't lead Actually, I don't think Marxism even led to the Soviet Union. I think Marxism was just the pretext for the Soviet Union, you know? All I said is that uh, the Soviet Union's, like, actual, effective, like, the political reality just was not a product of Marxian theory, which is obviously true. (laughs) If you take a look at that, you know? Um, Yeah, that's, that's what I said. Likewise, yeah, I said, um... Oh, God. Do you think it's surprising... That he's an alt-history channel and that he agenda pushes so hard. No, all history channels tend to... At least they're very vulnerable to this kind of, like, narrativization. But it didn't necessarily lead to the totalitarianism. I just think that, like... Keep in mind, like, even Nazis, even Adolf Hitler, like, used populist pro-worker appeals to establish their authoritarian dictatorship, you know? Um, it just seems to be a pretty popular... Pretty popular trend. The old history community apparently hates this guy. Oh, yeah, no, this guy, yeah. The bad history Reddit also beats him over the head pretty often, which is pretty funny. Oh, Taftage is here. Vosh, productivity is not hours worked. Taftage, different people use different definitions of productivity. The problem is if you are. Um, productivity doesn't. Oh, God, he doesn't understand. Wait, Taftage, I literally opened this by saying if you define productivity by hours worked. There's no consistent definition for productivity in terms of like actual output, unless you're framing it through some kind of economic model, like uh, the value of output. But if you're doing that, then you're kind of presupposing, like you, you're, you're, you're begging the question because you're encoding like wealth differences per country into the results that you're going to get. It's going to be circular. It's not the econ definition though? Yeah, well, we we've rolled through several different definitions of productivity. The only argument that I'm making is that you can't take a look at the productivity of different countries and use that as an argument for like why people in those countries deserve lower wages. Um that was the that was the issue that I had initially because libertarians they will moralize the absolute fuck out of um you know a, a criteria like that in a way that is just ahistorical. I don't know. You want to see some physical productivity watch cock shots video on unequal exchange. Didn't I feel like I've actually watched this before. Uh yeah, hold on. This this is actually useful chat. Chat. Taftaj said she would love to talk to you about it. Um yeah, sure. That was a pretty short debate, so sure, yeah, Taftaj. Is Taftaj Alt right? Yes, Taftaj is an alt right trans woman. Hold on. I,
2: have the question, we'll
0: do it. I mean, there are some of those, but she's not alright. We still have the question. She got banned on Twitch today. Wait, did she? For what? Twitter, Twitch bans. Taftaj. Wait, what? what's the what's the name of the which band tracker is that is that the name of the Oh, i don't even remember the name of the of the thing no oh, whatever
2: why are wages lower in india if there's no unequal exchange why are indian wages so much lower than us wages surely unequal exchange is the only explanation viable for this no the cause is the much lower development of the forces of production in Indian capitalism compared to American capitalism. We're going to look at two key industries, one's which you can measure the output in physical quantity terms.
0: This goddamn audio quality, oh my god.
2: Agriculture and steel. And we'll see just by how much Indian capitalism lags behind This US
0: is 1.5 times speed.
2: Let's look at agriculture first. Now, although the u.s has a considerably smaller population than india about a quarter the size of indian population it produces almost twice as much grain and it produces 417 million tons of grain using just under 1 million workers india on the other hand produces 267 million tons of grain using just over
0: yeah this is this is what i talked about with um what if alt hist remember when i asked him If he felt Mexico had the same available capital for business reinvestment as America and he went on a three-minute rampage because he was afraid that I was calling him racist.
2: 42 million workers. One agricultural worker in India produces on average 6.3 tons of grain. One in America produces 438 tons of grain. So the value created by a year's farm labor.
0: How is grain defined here? What? I I I think the numbers here are reliable. Not an agricultural expert.
2: The U.S. is roughly seventy times what a year's farm labor will create in
0: the, the Indian
2: uh, economy. It's large-scale capitalist industry in both cases, but American capitalism is six point seven times as productive, and therefore an American.
0: How do we define USA here?
2: Produces six point seven times as much value. If Indian and U.S. steel. Are sold on a third market let's say in egypt they'll both sell for the same price one ton of u.s steel and one ton of indian steel have the same value the u.s steel contains about one sixth value is not determined by the actual duration an individual worker spends it's determined by the labor time that's socially necessary and if too much labor time is spent making things using
0: yeah i don't disagree with this though it is worth pointing out that this um simplified description kind of breaks down when you're taking a look at specialized goods that are only made in a given country. So, for example, there are probably literally thousands and thousands of different types of widgets um, or uh, toys or pieces of technology that are exclusively made uh, in China, or we know, for example, like um, the the microchips or superconductors or whatever are made in uh, Taiwan, you know. And then when you take a look at like the relationship between the production of these things relative to the wages of the people making them, yeah, um, uh, semiconductors. Yeah, thank you. So it's like obviously there's going to be influence based on the relative efficiency of the modes of of, of capital production in a given country versus another. But I think it's pretty clear, like. No matter how you, no matter how you slice it, productivity, like output or like individual contribution, however you want to go by it, is definitely not the sole determiner of wage. I, like I, you would have to ignore reality to believe that. Does that make sense? Is anyone following what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, basically, here, let, can maybe can we can we do like a can we like summarize this in a way that people find interesting? Hold on. Let me see if I can. Okay. World map. We're going we're gonna to cap this off with a, with a quick little paint stream, okay? You know how we do. Let's get a nice high resolution photo. Photo. uh, Drawing. Whatever. Map. You know. Nice. Ooh, that's good. That's a good one right there. There we go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get the crack pipe. I don't need a crack pipe. Uh open with Clip Studio Paint. Unsupported file format. What file format is this? Properties. It's a JPG. Fine. I will, I will I hate doing this. I will screenshot it opened in Window View. Yeah, I was expecting it to be a WebP as well, but no, not this time. Alright, there we're we're screenshotting it. Woo! Okay, here you go. All right. Listen up, people. All right. Today, we're going to learn about productivity. All right. Are you guys ready for it? So some people, some people will say that productivity. Differs a bunch all over the world, and that's why some people are wealthy and some people are poor. These people are retarded. All right. People here work hard. You know who works harder? People here. I'm guessing. Life is a lot harder here for the most part than it is over here. I'm kind of generalizing a little bit, okay? People work pretty hard all around, you know? There's a lot of hard work going on all over the place. Woo! Lots of stuff. None, None of that, you know? So if you wanted to moralize this, the thing is, when we're talking about disparity in income, okay, there are two roads you can go down, okay? Descriptive and prescriptive. Descriptive is an attempt to explain why. There are differences in average income between countries. Whereas prescriptive is trying to argue what they should be or justify what they are. It's a moral argument. Yes, especially the feds in Antarctica. Exactly, Shiu. You know. So you understand the difference? Okay? Now, here's the thing. Descriptively, so we're just describing reality here. Why are there differences in total? And then a little, little dollar sign here in Sudan, you know? Why are there differences in average income between these countries? Well, the answer is really complicated. All right? Really, really complicated. Really complicated. I mean, you've got colonialism. You know, why is this part of the world and this part of the world and this part of the world doing a lot better than most every other part of the world? You know, it's complicated. A lot of stuff like that. If you're talking descriptive, I think there's a lot you can do. A lot you can say, I don't want to focus on that too much. But here's the issue, folks. And this is what gets my goat, okay? The thing that bothers me is when people make descriptive claims, but frame them in a way that makes them have prescriptive outcomes, okay? Now, I bet you see this a lot. And you do, because people do this all the time with black crime. In the United States, you know, there are descriptive explanations for why crime rates are different between different racial groups here in the States. But oftentimes what people will do is they'll selectively cite descriptive points to imply the prescriptive. And that's when it's racist. You know, there's nothing racist at all. No matter what conservatives say, there's nothing racist about saying uh, black people commit violent crimes at a higher rate than white people. That's a fact, you know, but there is something racist. About saying, you know, uh, well, why do we have so much social division? Well, I don't know, you know. You know, people might cancel me for this, but all you have to do is take a look at the black crime rate, and maybe there's your problem. You know, technically, they haven't framed anything there outside an acknowledgement of a descriptive fact, but it's very clear what the prescription is, and it's racist. So. We're getting back now to national income disparities, okay? The reasons why there are disparities are really, really complicated, but a really, really, really common thing that people will do is try to frame these differences as though there's something inherently better about wealthier parts of the world. So they'll talk about entrepreneurial spirit. They'll talk about, you know, uh, business ingenuity. They'll talk about, you know, uh, 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 you know, economic acumen, stuff like that. They'll talk about characteristics in which wealthier countries have ideologically, intellectually or economically surpassed uh, other parts of the world. The problem with this is that it's kind of cyclical. You know what I mean? Like, let's say there are two countries, country A and country B. Country A, uh, 500 years ago, develops a robust military, invades country B, takes a significant portion of their population as war slaves, robs them of natural resources, and destroys their infrastructure. And then they go at peace, and they remain peaceful for a long time. Now, country A is going to have quite a head start on country B in terms of post-industrial development as a product of that little feud they had back in the past, right? That's imperialism 101. That's just a natural consequence of how causality works, right? But as a product of the greater wealth of country A, country A might have developed better schools, better economists. And therefore, it's entirely possible that 50 years down the road from that, Country A now is wealthier, in large part due to the better business acumen of the people educated in Country A. Now, some people might look at this and say, oh, well, if Country B wanted to do well, maybe they should have more of a spirit for entrepreneurial investment. Maybe they should be more economically educated. And, you know, that is descriptively true. If they had those things, they would be better off. But by framing it that way, you've implied the reason they don't have those things is because of some failing on their part as opposed to just worse starting circumstances. And that's the problem that I have with this question as to um, different countries having different levels of productivity. Because the way it's framed is this, well, why do people in China make so little money? It's because they're less productive. And descriptively, If you're taking a look at, like, the total economic output of the country or the per-person output in a variety of industries, that can be true. But it does imply some things, doesn't it? A little bit? I mean, a little bit, right? Because you could fairly apply this to racial differences here in the U.S. and point out correctly that black people, on average, are less productive uh, than white people. Even if you normalize, uh, total hours worked. But why do you think that is? Well, a huge part of that is because black people are poorer, which means that they're going to work in lower level industries and therefore have less of an economic impact on the country that they live in. And thus you have a cyclical issue. But if somebody just said, well, black people are poor because they're less productive, that to me implies a prescriptive judgment, a moralistic justification for their economic circumstances. Does that make sense to everyone? Does everyone understand why I'm getting at this? I want to be very clear about this, just to make sure there's no confusion, because I know my computer, my computer, my community sometimes, you know, they, they don't fully get what I'm getting at. There's nothing descriptively wrong about saying X country is less productive than America. But depending on how it's phrased, you know. Okay, just making sure. Vosh, the Asian tigers, they started from behind and were able to develop fairly quickly. I guess there are very few exceptions of these. Um, it's totally possible. Rapid industrialization and like um, like economic growth is, is possible. I think it's, it's easier with a couple of things. First of all, it's easier when you're a small country, um, because it means that you have a sort of tighter control over what's going on at your borders. America is a big country. I mean, wow, America is a big country, you know. Uh, Russia, huge country, but if you're South Korea, down here, you know, or 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 hell, you know, if you're if you're Singapore, there we go, right there. I mean, you know, you have a bit more direct control over the the direction that your country or city state, you know, heads in. Um, Taiwan as well, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, that's one. For two, it generally helps to have the um, the backing of more powerful neighboring countries. Like, you don't want to be under threat of invasion, right? Obviously, South Korea... Well, I wouldn't say South Korea benefited from our support because we basically put a dictator in charge over there and they had to oust him, but, you know... (laughs) We're bad. Yeah, the Asian Tigers were generally quite authoritarian, which did give them, you know, allowed them to supersede democratic considerations, which I suppose at times can have some advantages. It's complicated. The point is it can be done, but there are always consequences. What's been going on over here lately? I wonder. History is complicated.